Hey, what's going on, guys? In today's episode, we're talking with Keith Burke, and he's going to be talking about his long-term real estate investing. Uh, he's going to talk about some of his home run deals and then also a few deals that he's learned lessons from so he can share with you and uh, you guys can get something out of that. Yep, and we're going to talk about how this cross-country coach and military reservist was able to acquire over 25 units in less than nine years using a creative strategy. So stay tuned. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glasby, and this is the Military Cashflow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, guys? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glassby, and welcome to the Military Cash Flow. And today we have Mr. Keith Burke on board, and he's going to be talking about his long-term investing and how he uh, basically went from reserves, right? He's still in the reserves, and now he's now he's owning and operating, buying and holding uh, properties, which is very very exciting. Keith, thank you so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate your time. Um, Please, would well, you mind telling us you know, about yourself and uh, who you are, where you're from, you know, and, and how'd you get started? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I originally grew up in Southern Illinois. I moved up here back in 2007 to uh, run cross country and track on scholarship at a university here and uh, ended up staying. Um, always kind of knew I was going to get into business from a very young age. Uh, didn't quite know exactly what it looked like, but I did know it was going to be somewhere in the realm of real estate. So at, uh, at 23, as you know, the market uh, was uh, a little bit more attractive for buyers back, uh, back around the uh, 2011 range still. We were still kind of getting some of that residual good buys and that uh, a lot of properties on the market from the, the, the crash at that time. So I bought my first uh, home in grad school, actually, as I was uh, pursuing my MBA and uh and actually rented out the bedrooms to some uh, buddies of mine from uh that had moved up here as well from high school uh to the chicagoland area and uh from there you know i i, I kind of knew that was going to be kind of a a house and not a home and it was going to be a, a long-term uh investment strategy uh, along with kind of where i've gone you know post that property and uh, once, once I was there uh, for about a year, I decided to rent it out to, to, uh, to students at the local university and move on to another one and kind of do the same thing and then another one and do the same thing. And kind of throughout my 20s, that's, that's really how I, I started to establish the growth was, uh, was through kind of residing there for, uh, for several reasons. A, a little bit more of an attractive uh, uh, rate on the property for the you know for borrowing purposes, and then uh, B, you kind of have time to get things you know prepared. You're not you're not sitting there with vacancy and you know those uh, those uh, average daily operating expenses or you know holding costs for each day and whatnot. So yeah, that's my story. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you're a cross country coach, right? So you're that guy that makes everybody looks bad on the two mile time, then, huh? <laughs> Not as bad as I used to make them look. I'm uh, I'm getting up there a little bit, but yeah, that's, uh, you're that eleven. You're that sub eleven minute guy. <laughs> I was, yeah. Ten fifteen indoor was my uh, was my record back in the day. You know, now, now, 
now I just try to hit around that there. But the new ACFT is going to level the playing field because you know it's going to it's going to it's going to kind of there's not going to be as big of a spread from the the guys that are just really good with uh, with yeah, just they've... aerobic fitness. So yeah, yeah no, I know I know you guys are excited for that, right? Yeah, dude, I'm not uh, trying to get my swole on, you know, so. Nice. I'm yeah. glad I'm glad I got out. There's a little bit of a of a sidebar here, but I'm glad I got out before that came because the deadlift aspect, I I personally feel a lot of people are gonna get injured on deadlift. I I know I have a bad back. I'd have been injured every 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 test. Yeah, no, no, I hear you. There's definitely definitely mixed feelings on it. I'm uh, I actually the master fitness trainer course on another note here uh, about a year ago, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous about that too. But they they put in. They put in a lot of uh, emphasis on form and stuff, and it's a hex bar. So I think, I think if people are careful, it's maybe not going to be as bad as they think, but who knows? It's kind of like, I kind of feel like I'm getting a, um, uh, a free deja vu of like COVID because like nobody really knows what's going to happen with COVID either. Like no one really yeah. knows what's going to happen with the ACFT. <laughs> it's like kind of just there's both just such fluid situations. So yeah, man, we'll see. We're supposed to be taking, uh, taking the actual like for real test, I guess. You know, as soon as this as soon as this thing ends, basically. So, we'll see how the numbers look. I did my uh, my diagnostic. I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I did get a five ninety six. I'm just saying. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. so on that on that note, Keith, you talk about you're going through the uh, the master fitness uh, trainer course or the master trainer fitness course, and uh, you are you've been in the Army Reserves for for how long now? I commissioned in May of 2011, so uh, okay. actually nine years this month. So nine years. So you you were going to college. What what attracted you about the Army Reserves? You had two options as far as you know, staying civilian, going reserves, or potentially going active. What about the reserves specifically? Kind of attracted you to that? I, yeah, I really i I wanted to go active duty at one point, but I just felt like there were so many other passions I had in the civilian side that I wouldn't be able to kind of fulfill a lot of those. Um, in hindsight, I probably could have done like a three year active duty, then went reserve and still kind of did all of that. But, uh, you know, hindsight's kind of 2020. But uh, you know, at the time, I, I knew I wanted to coach at least part time uh, at the college level. And, uh, and I also knew I wanted to do some, do things on the business entrepreneurial side. And, you know, it's, it's if you're getting a new duty station every, you know, so often, it's kind of it makes it makes managing property a little bit, a little bit harder. And uh, especially when you're young, and you don't have that experience yet. Like some of those things sound way more scary than they are. Like uh, that reminds me when I, I we were we mobilized to Germany here a couple of years back, and uh, and it was like, man, this is going to be really difficult managing my property. But you really don't realize how much stuff you do remotely until it happens. Like so, you know, it, it really had very very minimal impact on uh, on the business. Me being you know an entire continent away, so. Um, so yeah, that's my. I'm going off on a tangentious rant now about the about the management from another country. So feel free to interject anytime. You're, you're yeah. good, man. Hey, so a couple of things that you said that were very interesting that I liked about your your opening your story at the beginning. Uh, you talked about you house hacking, right? Uh, you said you you lived in a house and you, you were written. It seems like you you said you were written it out, correct, to someone else while you were while you were there. Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, you know, I was 23 at the time. So I had a couple of buddies that had moved up north from Southern Illinois for grad school as well. And uh, I just rented out the bedrooms to them. And uh, yeah, it was kind of lived like we were in college and grad school type of things. As you guys know, with the uh, with uh, with the military, sometimes we don't get that uh, that experience. Yeah, um, yeah man. Yeah. 
so we talk about creative ways to to build uh, to make additional cash flow and, and that's exactly what you did house hacking like just like you said bought a house rented out to some buddies while he was in college and still made that rent they paid down the rent right they paid down the the mortgage excuse me and you were able to cash flow a little bit off of that. that's awesome and then the other thing that you said um was you bought you bought your home knowing that it was a house not a home can you explain that can you kind of expound on that a little bit yeah absolutely so um with any property you don't want to have too much of an emotional investment so i know i know a lot of people i mean me being a single guy it's a little bit easier said for me than than some people you know when you're when you're married or have children on the way you know you you, you want to have something that's maybe uh a little sexier a little more curb appeal you know whatnot so um so yeah this uh i kind of look at everything that i'm going to live in now as it's 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 an investment vessel I'm going to be here for so many months and then I'm gone. You know, cause I've never, I haven't rented since I was in, uh, I was like 18 years old. I was actually still in high school, random story, but I, uh, yeah, I had my own apartment like my senior year. And uh, that's the last time I've paid rent to anybody. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's just a very, very, it's a crazy thing to me that anybody would pay rent, you know, in, in most, you know, unless you're obviously like, if you're, you know, stationed somewhere, it's a little bit different, but on the civilian side, I, I can't see why anybody would ever pay rent. But, uh, um, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I've, I've looked at every property as just an investment vessel. Uh, and then once I'm out, it's, uh, uh while, while I'm living there, I'm, I'm preparing it to be taken over by tenants and then, uh, then it's kind of on to the next one. So deliberate planning, man, that's freaking phenomenal. That is phenomenal, especially for, especially because you're in a fixed location. That's the, the easiest thing to do. Just like you said, can't see if you're in a fixed location you're you have a civilian job you're reservist you're in one location it's it's why not why not start buying rental properties and deliberately taking that at those action steps to acquire assets that will make you money right and you can live in it for a year live in it for a couple of years and then you know go buy the next one and rent that last one out that's phenomenal yep. and what's and what's really important to kind of highlight there was I'm, I don't really know how much cross-country coaches make but I don't imagine it to be very lucrative so you found a way uh, to get started with very little capital and then maximize that through house hacking or whatever the course is. So for everybody who's struggling, for everybody who's made the excuse, guys, it's, it's not as difficult as, as, it, uh, as it may seem, but it's important just to take action. That's good. Again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I like, I like what you said about taking action because I know a lot of, uh, a lot of people kind of wait and wait and wait and they don't get started. If I would have got, I wish I would have got started a couple of years sooner, even uh, as, you know, a, a senior in college, uh, I think I, I, I would, uh, I, I know I would be exponentially, uh, I'd have exponential more growth as far, even, even just from a learning aspect uh, than starting, you know, in your, in your early to mid twenties, um, you know, time, you know, time, times can be your friend or your enemy. I mean, if you start when you're, you know, in your 30s or 40s, it's 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 the 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 amount of growth you can get from a financing standpoint and just from uh, a game standpoint is exponentially different than than that. You know, a decade sooner. So, yeah. All right. So let's let's talk about. I love everything you're saying. So let's talk about some of the deals that you you've done so far, right? Uh, so I know right now you you're at around like 25 25 doors right now, correct? Yes, 25 units. One's, one's a multi-unit with four doors, and the other 21 are uh, single family. Well, with the exception of one, one's a condo, 20 are, uh, are a single family. All right. And 
So let's talk about some of those. Let's talk about, you know, one, your first, maybe your first couple deals or an interesting deal that, you know, that, that you'd like to highlight, right? And then let's talk about why you've chosen the single family strategy, right? So it seems like, I mean, the bulk of your properties are single family, are single doors. Let's talk about why, uh, why you chose that route versus uh, more multifamily units. Yeah, absolutely. So I've always been more of a fan of, uh, of single family. And actually, the, the one multifamily I bought made me more of a fan of single family because it's, it's probably been my worst deal. I mean, nobody bats a thousand. Um, but uh, I think, the, uh, I think the, uh, the real benefit of single family is the retention rates. So in your, you know, within your, uh, your, your, your net operating income, you're, you're going to see an effect from uh, your turnover. So when you have to go in every 12 months to, to two years on average, and you have to paint and you have to, you know, shampoo carpets, if there's carpets and possibly refinish floors and, uh, and, and things like that. I mean, those take a big, just put a big, big dent in your cap rate. And, uh, and, you know, while the multifamily can be attractive at the right price, I definitely don't want any viewers to think that it's something that, uh, that they should, you know, avoid at all costs or anything along those lines. But um, for me and my experience, and, and, and keep in mind, markets are different, of course, but, uh, but I've always had way, way better results uh, from, you know, single family homes. And a lot of that's based on the, uh, just the, the, the retention rate, like I mentioned, I mean, I've got I've got a place that's a place that I've had tenants for four, five plus years. And, uh, and when they stay, you know, you, and you, and you, and you, and you can retain them through, um, you know, keeping you, keeping the rents reasonable and, 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 you know, being and keeping your response time uh, reasonable as far as when things go wrong and uh, your, you know, your, your cap rates are going to reflect that. Um, so uh, one of the, one of the deals that you mentioned, uh, you wanted me to mention a, a deal that kind of stands out. Uh, there was a home I bought, in, uh, and, and keep in mind, rural Illinois is a little bit different than, uh, than some markets some of, the, some of you viewers might be listening to, but uh, there's a deal I bought for $17,000 in uh, Springfield, Illinois, and uh, the home was uh, a three-bed, one-and-a-half bath, and uh, after repair costs, uh, appraises around $60,000, which uh, still, 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 like people are like, man, what? The, some some viewers out there in like Manhattan are like, what the heck? Like, my car was sixty thousand dollars, but um, but uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, the after repair cost was sixty thousand dollars. We put we put twelve thousand dollars into it, so it was twenty nine thousand. Uh, rent was eight hundred dollars a month, so our cap rate is about twenty two percent on that property. Right. Um, so uh, so that's one, and yeah, I mean, it's the, the market's so much different, and a lot of people. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of when they hear those numbers, they, they their their thoughts are of oh, slums, you know, things like that. But really, it's just it's just how those how those markets uh, are driven. I mean, it's a very very um, just different type of market. I mean, I've got you know in, in properties with those same numbers, I've got nurses, I've got teachers, I've got even some high school administrators that rent. I've got uh, it's the state capital there, so I even have one uh, woman that works for a congressman. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's just kind of a different style of living. There's not as much, uh, I don't know what you, what would, what was that? Postcode envy? Is that what they call it? I don't know what they, uh, I don't know what the right terminology is, but there's not as much of the, um, you know, uh, uh, worried about, you know, you know I having, having the biggest, having the big, yeah, having the nicest car in the driveway and having the, you know, the 18,000 square foot home or anything crazy like that, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a lot more simple way of life, let's say. 
you hit on two, two really important things. The single family rental retention rates. Uh, we just had another guest on where we were talking about how a lot of people may try to uh, reduce CapEx by putting more expensive material into the construction of the property. Very specifically, it was a metal roof, right? A metal okay. roof may reduce your CapEx allocation for the month or your monthly flow, which could overall increase your cash flow. But at the same time, the insurance premium is going to be higher because it's a more expensive replacement part, right? That's just an aspect to consider. Now, uh, retention rates, that's vacancy, that's turnover. That's another expense. When people think of multifamily, they, they uh, uh, predominantly think economies of scale, but it's something to consider. If it's four units or 10 units, but you have, you know, let's say, 80% vacancy and you have consistent turnover, those are all expenses to incur. So for those who are listening, always remember there's more factors to include like retention rates when evaluating uh, properties. And then the second thing you said was for you, $60,000, you can get a whole home, an entire perfect investment. $21,000. Yes, $21,000. You can get a whole home worth $60,000. While meanwhile, there's other people in different markets spending $60,000 on their car. There's a lot of military servicemen and women spending $60,000 on their car or on their truck. So guys, just realize it's being being purposeful with where you're placing your money. I mean, damn, $21,000. For some people, that's their that's their signing bonus is twenty thousand yeah. dollars. Like yeah, you guys got a boom and bam. So well, and the banks the banks are friendly. If you uh, and sometimes you know I've had loans that get so small that I've had to package them with with additional homes just because the banks like man we can't you know what are we gonna do write you a mortgage for fifteen thousand bucks you know so so you sometimes you have to get a little bit creative. But uh, another uh, that kind of you know uh, if I can lead on that. Another great deal that, uh, that that we made was uh, there was a gentleman who had uh, who had uh, who had passed. And his family kind of didn't know what to do with the property. He had three on one block. One was uh, in, in much need of repair. Uh, one was uh, already occupied with a long term tenant, and one was turnkey. The entire deal they they were asking like one twenty for all three homes, and uh, we ended up offering. We put a we put an offer for like ninety two, I think, when we got it. Um, but the great thing about that is, uh, let's say for example, we would have, uh, we would have, we, we, we immediately started cash flowing on the one property, which essentially covered the, uh, the, the daily holding costs of the other two while we did the repairs and found a tenant. So, um, so the, the, uh, the great thing about that was, as opposed to buying one property that needs a lot of work and you're now you've got you know 30 plus days to get your contractor in there 30 plus days of you're paying vacancy you're paying taxes you're paying insurance you're paying all these things where this immediately we, we were break even immediately just off the one that was occupied and then uh and then the day we closed uh you know having having a, having a great property manager is extremely important i think uh you know my, my success is mostly his success and uh and his hard work and due diligence, but uh, we were able to get a tenant in that property literally uh, on the way back from signing the closing documents, because um, you know showing it during showing it during the closing process, all that stuff. So, so yeah, two of the three were occupied. Obviously, that the, the day we closed, the cash flowing, and it ended up working out uh, working out really well. So that's that's another creative way to do things. If you say you don't have a ton of cash reserves around to uh, to, to to take chances. Then, uh, then that kind of hedges that risk per se. So, yeah, yeah. 
That's definitely major. That's definitely major. Um, I, I love the, especially the average, it's something I had to learn to uh, advertise in the home before, before um, it's actually rent ready. I, I was going something similar, but uh, I was renovating a property and didn't, um, and didn't start advertising it until I actually had it finished. And kind of to your point, you can start advertising that and getting the tenant in before you even, you know, before it's even ready to, it's ready to roll. So that's, that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, people, people are creative by nature. So, I mean, if you, I, I've brought, I've brought people into places that are like in disrepair and just been like, Hey, use your imagination. Like this is what we're going to do here. This is what we're going to do here. This is what we're gonna do here. <laughs> and then I've, uh, and then I've taken them to say a property down the road that we've done and been like, yeah, just, just so you can kind of get a better feel for the type of work we do and how it's going to look. And then just take them inside of that if they're, if they're kind of uh, apprehensive. And then, uh, and then most of the time, most people are like, yeah, you know what, we got you here. You know, we'll, we'll put down a deposit. And we, you know, we'll, we'll be, we'll be in by the first of next month. So, um, so yeah, it was absolutely, I, yeah, I absolutely emphasize the people to, to show, show, show. You know, to make sure. yeah. Being creative is, is absolute key. You have to be creative, especially when you're dealing with scarce resources. Uh, uh, I forget who says it, but it's not about the resources, it's about your resourcefulness, right? Something along those, uh, the, along those lines. Mm -hmm. And as you start to scale or as you start to try to find those gaps, you begin to leverage them. Like you just mentioned, property management was super instrumental in, in you know, being able to balance all these portfolios, being able to get them built and everything else. So um that's, that's awesome you got to be creative and then you and then you leverage uh when you need to so so yeah we talked about you you gave us some great phenomenal deals some home run deals right and they're talking about twenty one thousand dollar deals worth sixty eight thousand your cash flow and uh, well it, you're you're collecting in rent eight hundred dollars which is like what 1.5 rule or something like that um which is amazing it's very very hard to find uh nowadays but um, let's talk about some of the lessons that you've learned, maybe some of the harder or more difficult deals that, you, that you've had and what you've learned from them. Because we've got a lot of newbie investors out, uh, out there that are listening. And, and you know, let's, let's share some of that information with them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So one, uh, so the back to the multi-unit that I mentioned, uh, that one, for example, the retention rates have been much worse. I've had one tenant that's been there for three plus years. We bought it three, no, about four years. We bought that about four years ago. But the uh, the other three units, I haven't kept somebody for more than twelve months. It's been uh, it's been uh, not not the best uh, investment. I mean, uh, it's it's still I mean on paper like I'm I'm complaining. It's still over a ten percent cap rate, but like to me that's like man, I could be getting a twenty five percent cap rate. I and mean, this thing's this thing's horrible, but it's still it's still doing okay. But um, it's not nearly to the extent of some of my other single family units. And uh, I think so. I think one thing that I learned from that is don't get too, uh, that was probably my first like buy on emotion. I, I bought that place for $80,000 and thinking, man, yeah, I can't go wrong. I, it was side, I bought it side unseen as well. And I, I, I used a realtor and, you know, a lot of realtors, I don't think they intend to intentionally not have the buyer's best interests in heart and in mind, but I think sometimes they get a little bit, you know, narrow-minded, like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, this guy can make money off of this, this guy can make money off of this. They, Because, I mean, cap rates, too, you know, a lot of times when you go to buy something, you're going to see the cap rate actually listed on, you know, where, wherever, Zillow, Trulia, whatever the case may be, uh, the uh, in the, what the, the property description, they're, they're going to have some type of, uh, of, of mention of the cap rate. And, you have to be a little bit careful by that because, you know, 
sellers can manipulate their cap rates a little bit. And, um, I, um, I think that kind of doing your own due diligence that I bought that side and seen, like I said, I took the realtor's word. And I mean, if it was such a great deal, you know, I think viewers, viewers might uh, want to think about this in the future. If something's such a great deal, wouldn't your realtor probably buy it? And, you know, and uh, do it himself, you know, yeah. So uh, and that's not always the case, but uh, you know, because sometimes people just um, uh, kind of going. I'm going to shift focus a little bit here. I think sometimes uh, uh, when people hear about what we do in, in the real estate game, uh, and I think Mike, you probably you probably have heard this as well is uh, they'll say, well, if it was th that easy, everybody would just do it, you know? And it's, it's not really that easy. It's just, if you, if you do your due diligence, you're willing to put in the hard work and you're, you're willing to uh, assume the risk, then yeah, the, the reward can be extremely high. But, you know, I get that, um, the, the, you know, it's, I mean, it's not for everybody. You know, some people are, are far more risk averse and whatnot than others. And just, it's, uh, it's not for everyone, but, uh, but yeah, so I think I think the the hardest lesson I learned was kind of uh, was probably with, with the uh, uh, making the quick buy, kind of thinking, oh man, I don't want this to go away. Um, I don't want to lose this opportunity. I'm having my first multi-unit. I got a little bit too caught up in that in my younger, more novice days, and I I jumped in and, uh, and bought it. And you know that that uh, when you buy things, it ties up financing for other things too. You know potentially so. Um, you know, there's, there's based on your income, there's obviously a threshold of what you can borrow. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I really like to keep that, uh, I really like to keep my cap rates in the 15 to 20 plus percent range. And, uh, and with that one, um, that one hasn't, uh, hasn't quite proven that, but yeah. Even in, in today's time, that's absolutely crazy. You're saying 15 exactly. to 20% cap rate. Well, really, really quick. Can you just backing up? So you yeah. might have some listeners out there that are not unfamiliar with cap rate. What does that mean? Can you explain that in like layman's terms, what that means? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And to any listeners, I would highly suggest that, that you become very intimately familiar with cap rates. Um, but the, the basic uh, uh, layman's term is uh, basically it's your uh, ratio of net operating income to property price. So for example, for mathematical sake, let's say you're buying a property for a hundred thousand dollars and your net operating income, which is your income after all of your expenses, after you've paid any uh, any type of insurance, any type of uh, um, taxes, closing costs, all that stuff has to be factored in. Uh, what you annually take in. So if you take home ten thousand dollars from that property net operating income uh, per year on a hundred thousand uh, dollar property, then uh, your 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 cap rate's ten percent, which which um, you know you can you can get you can do fine and you can make some solid income and then build equity at a ten percent cap rate, but it just takes a lot longer and especially if you want to grow um, and, uh, fast and, and have the bank continue to keep you know kind of lending you you know throwing you loans and mortgages, um, then I think your cap rate needs to be you know higher in order to in order to make that happen. And some really important things to note. You know your criteria. That is so important, guys. Know your criteria. Now you're not going to, you know now that if it doesn't meet your cap rate of 15%, now either you need to renegotiate the price or potentially walk away, right? But you have to know your criteria, which also plays into finding a realtor that knows investing, right? So you're exactly right. There is a million realtors out there that don't necessarily look in the eyes of the investor. 
And, and that be, may, brings up the great question. If it was such a good deal, then why aren't you buying it, right? Now, obviously, yes, we're all constrained to resources because honestly, if I could buy everything as a realtor, I would buy, but <laughs> you only have so much that you can do at one time. But if they can't explain to you why it's a good investing or why they're not buying or whatever the case is, right? Maybe you have to identify a different realtor um, who, who truly knows what your strategy is. Just because a realtor has a rental property, they could have been an accidental landlord, right? Or they could have done a, a small method. Now, if you're trying to do a delayed financing, a burr or anything else that's very creative, you kind of want a realtor that knows what they're doing, right? That may have that experience. So two good points there. Yeah, so, so, so you let, learned some lessons there. The lesson learned there, pretty much what it sounds summed up to me, it seems like, you know, don't buy on emotion, right? With that, with that four unit, it seemed like that was something that you, you looked at and you're like, oh man, this is sexy. And then you, you kind of, uh, you said you, I think you said you went sight unseen with that one, right? I did, yeah. yeah so so you, I was about three hours south of me and I was just like, you know what? And taking action is super important. I definitely don't want any viewers to, to, to ever get gun shy on things. But, um, but but I think it's a, it has to be a style, a good mix. You know, you want to trust but verify too, right? Yeah, absolutely. There we go. Yeah, that I mean that that's awesome. That I mean I think all of us have fell victim to that at some point um, as investors down the road. I mean we we've we've kind of had our had our ups and downs and maybe didn't verify before we trusted trusted too much or whatever. Um, I know I've dealt with. I'm sure Mike's dealt with it as well. So it's just one of those learning experiences. So for those out there listening, this this is uh you know your first your first time getting into an investment, um, just like Mike said, just like uh, Keith said, hey, if your realtor saying, oh yeah, man, you'll, you'll make so much money on this. And, and I've, I've actually seen that several times. I, I've, I've been in a property that I wanted to sell because I knew it wasn't gonna cash flow, but the realtor, not knowing my background, the realtor came up and was like, yeah, you should turn this into a rental and I can be your property manager, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, you know, it, it, did, it wouldn't have worked out, right? So don't just trust um, a, a person's opinion, especially if they're not, uh, if they're not, um, really, really doing it as, as they're presenting them. So, um, perfect plug realtor, you know, me and Mike, we, we find and vet realtors. So if you're looking for a realtor in your local market, please let us know and we'll, we'll help you out there. So that's a, uh, that's awesome, man. That's, that's good stuff, Keith. Um, is there anything from your, from that you've learned from the military? I mean, you know, obviously you, you're in the reserves right now. Is there anything that you've learned in the military that's helped you out as an investor? If so, what is that? And uh, what are some of those things? I would say um, kind of like action in the absence of orders is probably like a big one. Just like just going because I get, I get so many people that, uh, that call and whatnot and they want kind of advice and, uh, and the most frustrating thing, and now, now I know, I know guys like guys that have mentored me before, and and, and, and some guys that are like you know have, have echelons and echelons of success beyond what I what I may ever even have. Like they will, they will actually like they'll get pissed if you don't take action. Like they're like you know I, I just spent an hour of my time telling you what to do, and now you're calling me back two weeks later and basically asking the same questions. Like you either take action this time, or I'm just I'm I'm literally not going to give you advice anymore. Like that's that's it. And, uh, and so, um, I would say, I would say just, uh, just getting out there and, uh, and going, I mean, you, you know, it's, it's, things aren't going to happen for you. And, uh, and it's just, it's just a thing that you got to do and, uh, and you got to be willing to accept the, the fact that, that, you know, things, things may not work out and it may not be the right answer, but you'll be one answer closer to the right answer if it's not. So, um, 
Yeah. I love that. I've never heard that on the podcast, action in the absence of orders. Uh, but for all the military men and women out there, we know what that means. And one of the, uh, uh, one of my old uh, leadership, he mentioned to me, he said, what, what's the purpose of having standard operating procedures, SOPs? He was like, it's so you know what to do in the absence of orders, right? So you can kind of kick in. And guys, ultimately, it's all about taking action. Like he said, if we tell you, <laughs> if you call me and we're on the phone for two hours and I create a game plan for you to execute, if you call me back next week and ask me what to do, don't call me, man. Don't call me. Like, just you, if you, if you haven't, you know, started that process, um, you guys have to respect, you know, your mentor's time or whatever the case is. Take action, guys. Do it. Oh, I love it. Action in the absence of orders. I'm getting All that term in. <laughs> nice. Well, I don't know if any of the shops are open. You might have to wait till after COVID. I might but... have to wait. I might have to wait. <laughs> so long term investing, man. Long term investing. What, um, are, are you ever going to jump into any other type of uh, asset class or any other um, type of investing, maybe any kind of short term stuff like, you know, short term rentals or uh, flipping or wholesaling or anything like that? Or are you just mainly sticking to the long term? If so, uh, why? Yeah, I would like to get more multidimensional in what I do. Absolutely. Uh, I'm just um, kind of uh, analyzing that right now. And uh, actually, I'm glad you said that because last month I actually went to Myrtle Beach because we're looking to buy uh, an, an investment property, an oceanfront condominium that, uh, that'll be kind of an Airbnb here eventually. So uh, I've been looking at that. And, uh, and the only thing that's kind of slowed me down as far as uh, taking action because I have to practice what I preach here is uh, kind of getting a little bit intimately familiar with how these HOAs are doing because um, I've learned through uh, one of my condos up north here in Illinois that, uh, that uh, kind of HOAs can be sometimes healthier than others. Thankfully, I've got a very good one. Um, goes up about 1% a year, which is you know, below industry average. But uh, there's some out there that are, that are grossly, grossly mismanaged. So if, uh, if any viewers are considering buying uh, say, uh, any property that's, that's falls under the umbrella of an HOA, I would, uh, I would highly suggest that you, uh, you go find the documents. Sometimes you can find them right online for their meeting minutes. Some meet quarterly, some meet monthly, and you kind of read those because, uh, I, I, I was like, man, I love this place. I'm going to put an offer in, but man, nine, $950 a month for HOA is a lot of money. So I'm not going to say the name of the, uh, the association, <laughs> but I go, I go and I look, I go and I look and sure enough, they were, uh, they were uh, uh, four, $450,000 over uh, their, their budget last year um, in, uh, in just like almost every category. So you'll see an item item. They're, they're super, super transparent. So it doesn't get much more transparent than, uh, than, uh, than an HOA as far as their budget and whatnot. And, uh, and so like one was like a random $40,000 legal fee and nobody could tell me what it was for. Um, yeah, and then their, 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 their fee from the year before was like three grand and it jumped to like 40,000. Um, another was some like kind of random repair repairs that they had passed on like special assessments to the, uh, to the, uh, uh residents. So, uh, so that was, that was one thing that, you know, so that's something that, uh, for viewers, like, you know, definitely keep that in mind is that cap rate might look great in the, in the description of the bio, the property, whatever the case may be. But then if you end up getting slapped with a slap with a special assessment and then the next year your HOAs go up, that, that, that can, that's a very, very easy way for a seller to deceptively 
market a cap rate that really isn't there. Um, so and yeah, performers always look excellent, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you touched on a lot of great topics. Um, you you really really uh, dropped some serious knowledge. Some some. I uh, hope our listeners are getting something from this. I'm sure I'm sure they are if they're listening. So um, it's good stuff. Great, excellent stuff. Um, if there was one piece of advice that you could give to um, any first-time investor or anyone out there listening that wants to replicate some of the success that you've had, what would that be? Um, kind of falls in line with a little bit of what I said earlier, kind of just taking action. I would say find, uh, uh, buy as much as you can, as young as you can, and just continue to grow. Um, find something that met, that, the, that meets the numbers and go with it and make it happen. And then it gets, it gets easier and easier. Like I said, my, by my like 10th, 12th deal, I didn't even need to see the property in person. You know, it's like, I just, I just, I sent somebody in there to do a, a very informal inspection uh, a property manager or whatnot. Because um, if you're getting a loan, a, a non-conventional loan from a bank, a lot of times you don't even have to go through the the FHA pro processes of taking on that expense of a of a full fledged inspection and all those things. So uh, so yeah, I, I would I would say just taking action and buying as much as you can uh, as fast as you can. I love it. I love it. Excellent, excellent. Hey, so uh, how can our viewers get in contact with you, Keith? Yeah, absolutely. I can be reached through uh, my LinkedIn, which I think you guys are going to attach to this video, uh, as well as uh, Facebook Messenger. You can hit up uh, our Facebook page, Property UNLTD. That's Uniform November Lima Tango Delta. And, uh, and so we have a Facebook page there. Also, uh, Property UNLTD at gmail.com. I can be emailed. Um, don't have a fax anymore since 2020, but if I did, I'd give you that as well. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Hey, so all that is going to be down in the show notes. Uh, just make sure you check that out. If you want to link up with Keith, if you want to find out about the Springfield market and these, uh, these crazy 15% ROI freaking, uh, single families around there, then, uh, definitely link up with, uh, Mr. Keith Burke. He'll talk about his, uh, long-term real estate investing and help you out in that, uh, in that regard. So everything will be down in the show notes. I got one question. I got one question before we wrap it up. Keith is, uh, Springfield, Illinois, where the Simpsons is based out of? I don't think so. So I believe that the Simpsons movie, and I, I, I don't watch as much Simpsons as I probably should, but I believe in the Simpsons movie, they, uh, they said it was like in Massachusetts or something, didn't they? Okay. I, think. I don't remember. I don't remember. I just figured yeah. it would be like a big sign if it was Springfield, Illinois, like on the front, like welcome to home of the Simpsons or something. I actually rent to Mr. Burns. No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Or you just got a sign that says dope, like deal. <laughs> but um, yeah, so thanks. Thanks a lot, Keith. Really, really appreciate you coming oh, on. Thanks for having me. It was great. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Great conversation. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit that notification bell so we can continue to make these uh, great videos. Make sure you comment below if you have any questions for Keith. Um, or just any questions in general, make sure we get those answered. Um, if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate that. Um, 
lastly, the Facebook group. We got a military cash flow Facebook group. Keith's on there, Mike's on there, I'm on there. We got over 600 uh, military members, uh, service members on there, aspiring and active investors on there. Uh, we're all sharing information, helping each other grow. You'll get to hear and see great stories like, uh, like Keith just outlined. Uh, you get that knowledge and you can reach out and network with other service members that, that are exactly like you. You know, we're, we're same, 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 you know, we're serving the country and we're trying to help each other out. Yeah. So, uh, so make sure you join the group, add value. Don't be an asshole. Make sure you're freaking commenting and, and, you know, leaving some information there. Really appreciate that, Mike. Yep. And so guys, uh, if you guys are looking to do some long-term real estate investing, but you don't have that real estate agent in your market, as we've just mentioned before in this episode, and we always mention, let us know. We have partnered with many different agents. And if we don't have one in your market, we will find one and we'll make sure that we vet them. So they understand your strategy. They understand your intent and they help you the most efficiently as possible or the most efficient way as possible. Um, and, and by all means, this is free for you guys. This is what we are doing to give back to the community. So just let us know. All right. Now uh, with that, this is Dan Wynn and Mike Glaspie signing off. <laughs>